0: I wanted to uh, share with you guys one of my favorite stories in the Bible. And I know the kids guys up here, and you know, Terry had just talked about um, not, you know kids using children's ministry, and then if you look around, you actually see a whole lot of kids in here today. I asked the fourth and fifth graders to be in here today, uh, because normally I'd be teaching their class. I thought it'd be fun if they saw me in, uh, in action up here, and I may call one of them up to do something with me in a little bit. So, be on guard, fourth and fifth graders. <laughs> But um, one of my favorite stories, and yes, you may be thinking the kids guys up here. One of his stories from the Bible. Yes, it's about kids. Mostly, when I come up here, you'll probably hear me tell a story about a kid or children or when I was a kid. Because let's face it, my life revolves around kids. I love children's ministry. I love working with the kids. Um, I have my own daughter who's a year and a half now. Time flies, but uh, but I love her and just I I love being around kids. But before I get into that story, um, I will tell you a little about myself, and I'm going to be really vulnerable with you guys. So. Don't laugh at me. And my family's back there, and I know they're just dying to laugh at me for something, but here we go. So growing up, I watched and played tons of sports. I played baseball all through school, different teams. Um, I loved baseball. That was my favorite thing to play. Uh, gosh, I can't even tell you how many numbers of years I played it, but it just I played first base, third base, and catcher. First base was one of my favorites. Catcher I loved. I was the cleanup hitter. Loved baseball. Big part of my life. Um, I also played football. And um, I, like I, said, I think I shared before I have a, a split family some, some family in Vallejo, some in Martinez um, Now you live in Walnut Creek now But my, one of my parents was my football coach My other parent was my baseball coach So I got to spend a lot of time with family playing sports um, Football was tons of fun um, Because of my size I was a lineman And I loved it, every play you just got to run into somebody It was tons of fun But I played it all the time, I watched sports I had my favorite sports teams And this is where I'm going to get vulnerable with you guys We all have our favorite teams. Yeah, we we actually have a whole lot of different you know football teams represented here, and I'll get on that in a minute. Football teams, but I am a big Lakers fan. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Here it comes. I know. I know. I'm a. Big Lakers fan. As a matter of fact, um, something I have, uh, one of my, I have a, a ball that's signed by Kobe and Shaq and the, the team that beat the Kings, So all you Kings fans. ha! But, you know, it's, I have that ball, love that ball. I actually stole it from my dad. It was his, but I think I'm a bigger fan than he is. So I took it. But I, I love the Lakers. Uh, I went to school in Sacramento right in the middle of the Lakers-Kings rivalry when it was big, like every year they played. And so I would literally walk across campus decked out in Lakers gear. And I would get so many people yelling and screaming, and I was like, hey, you've never beat us, I don't care, you know, one of those things. But it was it was always fun. So big Lakers fan, have my favorite players, and if you like the Lakers, maybe one or two of you out there, if you like the Lakers like I do, um, one of my favorite players is Kobe Bryant. You gotta love just, I know people are like, especially people that don't like the Lakers, I hate Kobe. But the guy, whether you're a Lakers fan or not, he's a crazy good player. Just the shots he makes, the stuff he does, it's just fun watching him play. So when I was, you know, in high school, and college, when Kobe first started going, loved watching him play. Now, before I get vulnerable with you again on this next one, before I say this, know that I'm a Giants fan. Love the San Francisco Giants. Not the New York Giants, sorry, Harvey family. San Francisco Giants, love the Giants my whole life, watch the Giants, but one of my favorite players is Mark McGuire for the A's. Yeah, I know. There's A's fans in here. That's okay. But so growing up, again, I played first. Maguire played first. Maguire was the cleanup hitter. I was a cleanup hitter. I loved watching Maguire hit the ball. One of my favorite things, my dad, we'd go to, uh, we'd go to A's games, and just, I remember when Maguire would come, I would just be zoned in on watching him play. He was my favorite player. And long story short, I actually got to meet Mark Maguire one day, and I asked him for his autograph, and he said no, and I never rooted for him again. <laughs> It's a true story. And there's other people in here now that rub it in my face. I have Maguire's autograph, you know. He lost a fan, so there we go. But I tell you these things about these players, because as much as these players had, these two specific players are known for different things now. Um, they may not be known for their greatness, they may not be known for their records, and yet people still look at what they did, but there's something about them now, and some of you may know what it is, and I'll touch on it later. Um, as much as they had, they had the Hall of Fame records, thousands of fans but they've fallen out of the peak of their spotlight. Uh, they've lost a lot of fans. They've lost a lot of things because of some stuff that they've done. Now, in order for, under, in order for us to understand what's happened to these players, we have to understand something about ourselves first, which brings me to uh, my first point on your notes, if you're going to follow along on your, your fill-ins there. Number one is we all face temptation. Can, can I see a show of hands? How many of you guys have ever faced temptation in some way, shape, or form in your life? If you don't have your hand up, you're probably being tempted to lie to me right now. That's not a good thing. But but yeah, we've all faced temptation in some way, shape, or form. Now, it's simply defined as this. A desire to do something or something that is enticing or luring. Doesn't sound very bad, does it? It's a desire to do something. But that's what temptation is. Especially, what if that desire is something that you know is wrong? Or it's something that you shouldn't have? Or what if you're in a situation where you think the only possible answer is to do something wrong. So you're really tempted to take that wrong step because it's really going to help you out right now, but you know it's wrong. That's when temptation starts to get really tricky and, and, and slippery for us. Now, we all face this, but the real test is whether or not we give in. So if you open your Bibles to uh, Daniel chapter 1 or use your Bible app, but no texting, like Pastor has said, Uh, Daniel chapter 1, we're going to read about a few guys who got thrown into a really bad situation for themselves. So uh, if you have your Bibles, you can read along there. If you don't, you can look up on the stage or the uh, screen and follow along with me. So, and if I can't pronounce the names, I'm just going to say it, and chances are you don't know either, so we're just going to say it how it is. In the third year of the reign of King Jehoiakim, the king of Judah, a reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the articles from the temple of God. Those he carried off to the temple of his God in Babylonia and put put in the treasure house of his God. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of his court officials, to bring him some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility. Young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, And qualified to serve in the king's palace He was to teach them the language And the literature of the Babylonians The king assigned them a daily amount of food And wine from the king's table They were to be trained for three years And after that they were to enter the king's service Among these were some of Judah Daniel Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah The chief official gave them new names To Daniel the name Belteshazzar To Hananiah, Shadrach To Mishael, Meshach And to Azariah Abednego Now, it's funny, as I, I kind of glanced up When I said Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego Some of the kids were like, what? Like, they're, Those names are what we know them by today Now, scholars believe that Daniel and his friends Were just 12 to 15 when they were taken Yeah, that's a really young age to be taken captive Now, they were taken away from their home, their family They witnessed their entire city just get besieged and destroyed Probably some very traumatizing things going through their head now, so he takes these young men, Daniel, Mishael, Hananiah, and Azariah, and he gives them new names. Now, with the exception of, uh, of Daniel, the new names he gives them are the names that we still call them today, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Uh, to Daniel, he renamed him Belteshazzar. Um, I know, it's a mouthful. That's probably why we were just like, no, we're just going to stick with Daniel. That's so much easier to remember, Daniel. But changing their names was more than just changing their names. Because you see, when they were taken captive— all their names before, their original names, all had something to do with God. Who is like our God? God is my judge. God has favored. God our helper. Those are the names they were born and raised with. And uh, it's funny, I'm like the only one in my family that doesn't have a Bible name. I don't know how that ended up since I'm the one up here talking, but these guys all had Bible names. It's really cool. Bible names in their families. It was their identity. And when King Nebuchadnezzar took them, he stripped them of their identity. He said, these are your new names, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and Belteshazzar. Now, when he gave them these new names, all these names had different meanings, and all those meanings were servants to their pagan false gods, and servants and slaves to their idols. So he's not only saying, you can't worship your God, but now every time we say your name, your name says you're a slave to our God. Total identity crisis now for these guys. Now, on top of that, In there, it says that the king ordered they were going to eat food and wine from the king's banquet. Now, as much as he took their identity away, he did have plans for them that could have been looked at as all right, this isn't too bad. We're going to eat this food, we're going to work, we're going to be in direct service to the king. All right, you don't have much of a choice, but that's what you're going to do. It could be worse. The problem with this, there were certain things God told his people to abstain from. And food, the food that was given to these guys, was one of those things. So now—and I'm going to refer to these guys as Rakshak and Benny, just because it's easier. I'm a VeggieTales fan. That's what they call them there. So Daniel, Rakshak, and Benny now have this choice. They were raised to abstain from certain foods, and now it's sitting there right in front of them. Now, if there was a time for teenage rebellion, now's the time. You don't have to go to Bible school anymore. You don't have to listen to what mom and dad say you have to eat. You get to eat your own gourmet food. You're not at home anymore. No mom, no more dad. No more ties to previous culture. This could be looked as a fresh start. It, it could be a brand new start. You could rebel, you know, hey, mom and dad said if you wanted to do it at home, well, now you can do it here and there's no consequences for you because you get to do all this other stuff. All they had to do was eat this food and listen to what the uh, Ashmanaz had told them to do. Now, in Genesis, <clears throat> excuse me, we all know what happened when it was just two people in one garden and there was one tree that God said, don't touch. That was just two people in one tree. And we, if you know the story of Genesis, Adam and Eve, they ate from that tree. And that was the first time that temptation had, had came in and sin had been introduced. Now, that was two people in one tree. This is a whole lot of people and a banquet. This, is, this isn't like, hey, there's everything over here. Don't touch this. This is, hey, this is all you got. And it's huge. And I bet it smelled so good because that was food they probably had just, you know, they didn't know what it was. They probably knew what it was, but they didn't taste it. They, didn't, they had never eaten it before because they were told not to. And it probably was very very enticing. So you see, Daniel and his friends were tempted now. They were tempted with this. Do we go back on everything, or do we stay strong with what we know we should do? And this temptation was probably something they desired. So temptation isn't the same for everyone. Now, we all have things that are appealing for us, but what's appealing to me may not be appealing to someone out there. Every one of us has our own different struggles on what we want in our life. <clears throat> but the food wasn't the only thing these guys were being tempted with. They were definitely being tempted with their lives. Do you dare tell the king who just slaughtered your entire home, took you as prisoners, stripped your identity, gave you a new one that really stinks, do you tell him no? The Babylonians weren't known for their hospitality. They they were just not a very nice forthcoming people saying, hey guys, party over here. No, they were like, slaughter over here. Let's do this. That's what they were known for. And so now they're in a life-threatening situation. There's an easy way out that guarantees that they will live at least one more day. And that's simply to say, all right, God, we know you said not to, but we're going to die if we don't. We've got to do this. this is a, these are our people in charge now. We're going to follow what they say. They have this choice, but it would have meant sacrificing everything that they were raised up with. Now, my fourth and fifth graders are in here, right? Let me get Rachel. Rachel, can you come up here for me? All right, let me get you another chair. All right. Oh yeah, you got to sit right up here with everyone so everyone can see you. How you doing this morning? Yeah. Yeah. Do you know I was going to call you up? Oh boy, yes. Come in and have a seat right actually so everyone can really see you. Come sit right here. All right. Put this right over there. You're going to need this. All right. You good? You're not going to get wet. I have something for you. You have the other thing as well? Oh, you got it. Okay. You know what these are? Ice cream sandwiches. One of my favorite treats. Go ahead and hold on to that. Go ahead and open it up. Take, take like the top half of the wrapper off. Just let's go for that. Mm-hmm. Oh, love ice cream. <laughs> now, Rachel, what's my rule at C Games and at church when I give you guys candy and goodies for doing stuff? What do you do with the candy and goodies? Eat it where? (laughs) What? I'll help you out, because I know everyone's staring at you. My rule is don't eat it here, eat it at home. Or especially this room. At Sea Games, you know stuff is eaten here, but this room is totally off limits. This is really good. So, I want you to hold on to that. Now, I'm going to give you a choice here. You can break my rule today. No consequences. But if you don't break my rule, there may be something better later. But you have to sit there and hold that for a while. Both hands. You've got to get nice and warm. Gotta, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And as a matter of fact, to, to help you out a little bit, let me. Oh, there it is right there. Yeah. All right, Rachel. Hold on. Oh, no. You guys. I was about to call my wife up. I'm like, Steph. Hold it up. Hold it up. You got to hold that close to your face. Yeah, there we go. Now things are always, you know, they're melty. You really want to take a bite, and especially if you start getting hot, you really want to cool down. And there, yeah. all right, it's really melt. Let's start get that going here. You like ice cream, right? Oh, good. Okay. Would have been really bad if she said no. Like <laughs> this is pointless. All right. Now that that's started, we'll let that just simmer there for a little bit. All right. All right, so you've got, you got to hold that up. I, I want you like to smell that the whole time. Like, yeah. Just look at that thing. All right. Good. All right, so back when I was at school, back when I was in school, uh, in elementary school and middle school, one of the years that I was in a uh, kid's camp, there's my shameless plug, send your kids to kid's camp. It is so fun. But the speaker at camp said something to me that still rings true in my ears to this day. The speaker said, the devil is not stupid. And what's funny is because, you know, a lot of people say, the devil's so dumb. So, as a matter of fact, he's not. He's pretty smart, and he's going to get you with something. He's going to get you right where you're weak. He's going to give you something that looks really good, maybe tastes really good, maybe melts in your hands, and you're, you just have to stare at it the whole time. And remember, remember, you can, you can eat that and give in and break my rule, and I won't be mad, but... Just, I'll let you, let you think about it. Um, but you know, with whatever Satan's tempting you with, it's harder to say, no, that's not right. It can be really hard to say, no, this isn't what God wants for me right now. This is—it can be easy to say, this is what I want, this is what I'm going to do, this is what I'm going to go for, just like it probably would be really easy for Rachel right now just to—as that starts to especially drip down. You've got to get more of that, like, exposed, like, really. I know it's cold, it's—all All right. I don't want it to be too cold. Oh, there we go. We got some nice meltage right there. All right. But it's easier always to give in. It's so much easier to give in than it is to stand strong. Now, when we start to give in, it gets easier and easier to give in again. It gets easier and easier, especially if you don't get caught or no one knows exactly what's going on. You give in once, you can just give in right away again. You give in twice, and it just happens again. You're like, you know what? I can just do this. This is okay. No one really notices. Nothing bad's happening. And we start to go down that slippery slope of justifying our actions. Now, when I was in middle school, um, I used to volunteer in the cafeteria at lunchtime. In addition to your your free lunch, you would always get a cookie or something good to eat with. It was was always—it was fun. You know, a bunch of kids working back, serving food. I know parents are like, oh, germs. But, you know, it was a bunch of kids doing it. It was fun. Now, I had a friend that worked there. And we actually, you know, hand, handled the money. We'd be at the window, they would get the money, give the change, put it in the money drawer. I had a friend who figured out it was really easy for that money to make it to his pocket before he got to the cash drawer. And we're in middle school, so we're talking 50 cents, 75 cents. But that's how it started. He would just take that real quick, just that dollar, or those two quarters slip into his pocket, and at the end of the day, he was like, hey, I got a dollar. And he was like, hey, good for you, you got a dollar. And when you're in middle school, it's a lot of money. You get to go buy a, candy, a couple candy bars or something. He didn't get caught... But it became easier and easier and easier for him as time went on. Pretty soon, he was leaving the cafeteria with five bucks. And then one day, he left the cafeteria with ten bucks. And he just became easier and easier every time. He kept upping the level because he thought he couldn't get caught. One day, he did. And they didn't even catch him with the money. They just figured it out. Hey, on the shifts that you're here, X amount of money keeps disappearing. And so he got caught that way. He got suspended. He got a letter from his parents saying that he had to give X amount of money back to the school, otherwise he wouldn't even be able to go on to high school because he had stolen money from the school. And he had that reputation now from all the teachers on campus. He had that blemish on him. You know, when people look at him, it's like, oh, that's the kid that was stealing the money. It's, that's what he became known for. Oh, the cafeteria kid that stole the money. Despite the fact that he was a great friend in school and he was a fun kid, that's what he got known for, the, one, the mistakes that he had made in the cafeteria. Now, Jesus himself was tempted. So if anyone here was kind of hesitant to raise your hand, say, I don't know if I've ever been tempted. Well, Jesus would have raised his hand because he was tempted. He was in the desert for 40 days. And when the devil came, like I said, the devil's not dumb. He knew exactly what to say to Jesus, to tempt him. Now, when you think of that word, tempt, this means to Jesus the offer was enticing. It doesn't mean that, you know, the devil said, hey, Jesus, you want this? He said, no, get out of here. I'm done with that. It means that Jesus used scripture to turn him away, but the offer was enticing. There was some temptation there. And now, <clears throat> because Jesus turned it away, he proved that he is better than all of us. He does that all throughout Scripture. But it doesn't change the fact that the devil will try, and we will all face temptation. Now, when we give in, like my friend did, and hopefully like Rachel won't do, is that still really cold? You want to switch hands? Okay, good. <laughs> my second point is this just a little corruption can spoil something big now Ecclesiastes 10.1 says as dead flies cause even a bottle of perfume to stink so a little foolishness spoils great wisdom and honor it doesn't take much of something to spoil something big does it? now something uh, and I know I'm, I'm kind of weird with, with food and stuff at home it wouldn't look like it but I am when something starts to go bad at home I'm not one of those people that just cuts a little bit off of it I'm like oh done and I throw the whole thing away um, some, like, some people, you know, with cheese, if mold starts to go in cheese, you just cut off the moldy part For me. I can't do it. I'm like, nope, cheese is bad. Whole thing goes in the garbage. Spoiled the whole thing. Um, or even on a piece of fruit, if I see a big old mushy spot on one side, to me that whole piece of fruit is dead. It's like, nope, done with it. I can't do it. I actually don't even feed my one and a half year old daughter who doesn't know any better that, that, any, any part of that fruit. I get rid of the whole thing because it just irks me the wrong way. But even uh, even if, even if you did just, you know, have a piece of something that started to get spoiled, if you don't take out that part that's spoiled, it spreads so fast. It can tarnish the whole thing. And even if you have two pieces of fruit or something that are next to, and one starts to get spoiled, it can really start to affect the piece that it's touching because it just starts to spread. Just a little bit of corruption in our lives can do the same thing. When we start to sin, we can justify our actions. We can give into that temptation and say that it's okay. Just this once. Just this twice. Just this third time, and it starts to have bad consequences. Now, the boys in this story had 12 to 15 years of good foundation. I mean, 12 to 15 years of um, studying Scripture, being raised in a God honoring home. They knew what Scripture said. They knew how to listen to God. They knew how to serve God. And they're faced with this choice this choice of do we honor God's food standards that He put on our lives, or do we say we need to survive and we don't go forward with it? <clears throat> do we abstain and be set apart, or do we give in? To eat or not to eat was their question. So, back it's just like it's Rachel's question right now too. To eat or not to eat. I choose to eat. Oh, it is getting really melty and I might even put mine under the, the hair dryer. I can't imagine how soft that is. It must be really good. So, Kobe Bryant, one of my favorite basketball players, still plays. He had an affair. Now, when he got caught... It was all over the news because he was so popular. And it, was not, it wasn't just on the news because he was so popular for being a good basketball player. He was doing stuff with kids in schools. He was leading basketball camps. This was just like the good guy. It was fun, and like I said, if you didn't like the Lakers, you probably hated him from day one, but he was a good guy. He was, like, he was like a role model for kids. No more. He lost his credibility. He lost his image as the good guy in the game, not a role model. He lost millions in endorsements. Companies just dropped him so fast to this day, um, when they talk about him and his marriage, it's still a rocky one. I know it was, I think it was just last year, his, his wife came forward and said that she was filing for divorce again, and it, it caused, a, I mean, again, she filed the first time, and it got settled, and they didn't divorce, and now it's, things are still rocky. They're still struggling because of what he did. And this is just the one that he admitted to, the one that he got caught with. In later interviews, um, it had come out that he actually had a pattern of infidelity in his family. This was just the one that finally got him caught. Mark McGuire, I don't like him anymore, but he admitted to using steroids. And before he admitted it, there were all the allegations, there were all of the the tests and speculations, did he, didn't he, did he, didn't he? And it finally came forward that he did. And man, when he did, his his reputation just took a huge shot. Again, endorsements came down, uh, teams didn't want him even on their staffs anymore. He broke home run records, but he will probably never be in the Hall of Fame because of how he gave in to that temptation. That little bit of corruption in his life, how it started, it ruined his record forever. Now, eventually he admitted. He, became a, he started using supplements. Now, when he talked about it, he had said he started small, and he saw how the ball would carry a little bit more. And so he let just that little bit in, he saw the ball, so he was like, hey, this, these, these things really work, I can hit these home runs. And then he used more, and then he used more. Then it became a regular in his routine, and that's how he started just becoming the, the power hitter that we know him as. He gave in to just that little bit of compromise, and it had terrible consequences. Tiger Woods. I think I can just stop right there, right? Just <laughs> everyone knows Tiger Woods. <clears throat> Still love watching the guy play golf. Oh, good, good. But we all know what happened with his story. Lance Armstrong. I wanted to believe he was not guilty for so long, too. I really did. But he finally admitted that he gave in, and he started using his supplements and his record is tarnished. He lost everything. Now, he, he got it pretty harsh because all of his titles were stripped away from him and everything. Now, did anyone watch the Bible series this year? It was a fun series. I, I really enjoyed—some uh, of, of the kids actually here talked about it, and I would come here to church with a whole lesson plan, and they would just start firing questions about what they saw in the series. So it was tons of fun to talk with these kids about it. But it showed the story of David. Now, David was a great man, king, a, a king after God's own heart, Greatest king in Scripture. David did a lot of good. But there's one thing, a very popular story of David that we all know. David and Bathsheba is a very famous story. David gave in to that temptation once. He said he wanted her, he got her, and it's caused a whole mess for him. Man, after the consequence of that. Now, David did repent, and David did come to God, and he was forgiven for his sins, and he still did amazing things while he was on the throne But as a result of this corruption, this temptation that he gave into, lots of people died. Family turned on each other, including his own children. And he had a tough road to face. See, it doesn't take much of anything to really start the downward track to a big consequence. And that's the problem when we justify our actions. Now, Daniel, Rakshak, and Benny have this choice. Follow what they know is right or get in line for the buffet. This food now is guaranteed to make them do good. Just like Rachel, this sandwich is guaranteed to taste good. That's why you have a towel. <laughs> if, you, if you lick it off, you broke my rule. Don't, so just... Someone let me know if she you know, starts, starts eating that thing. She may, she may try and do it when I'm not looking at her. Now, <clears throat> eating the food, giving in to this temptation would be rejecting everything they were raised with. And can you imagine if they actually had some people that were there with them from the same city, you know, also of royal blood or ever? if they were looking at them and if they saw them give in what kind of credibility would they have when times got harder later? They wouldn't have much because people would have seen them give in. Imagine how the story would have changed if Jesus accepted Satan's offer in the desert. What would that mean for our faith today if Jesus would have let that corruption into his life? It would have changed everything. Our lives change so much when we let this stuff in. So what causes us to give in sometimes? Could it be uh, our own selfish desire, fear, peer pressure? You know, sitting here just, you know, peer pressure. (laughs) I'm almost done with mine. Do you want to eat yours? I think I picked up the wrong kid. <laughs> all right. She's doing good. Now, our own selfish desire, peer pressure, the answer is probably all of the above. All these things cause us to go down this path. Oh, for, how about for the kids in the room? What mama doesn't know won't hurt her. Yeah, I was a kid once, I used to think that way. No, I didn't, sorry, mom, why are back there? <laughs> Never. Uh, what daddy doesn't know doesn't hurt him. Well, I got news for you first, mom and dad always know, before you think anything else. But, you know, you may think that's true, what mama doesn't know doesn't hurt her, what daddy doesn't know doesn't hurt her, but it sure is hurting you. You may not know it at the time, but you're compromising your integrity, you're compromising your trust, your honesty, and soon enough, You're going to keep pushing that. You're going to keep pushing it more and more and more until one day they'll confront you on it. Whether they catch you in the moment or they tell you, hey, we've known about this for a long time, eventually you get found out. Which brings me to my third point. God honors integrity. Now remember, integrity is being real or genuine uh, no matter what the situation is, no matter your surroundings. Now are you the same at work on Monday as you are when you come to church on Sunday? I don't know, I was, um, I was joking with someone this morning. He came up to me and he gave me this big old like, hey! and then he told me, that's a fake smile. And I was like, I know, it was fun and games and everything. But a lot of us will put on that, that Sunday show. We, we can totally put on that Sunday show, even though the rest of our work, you know, we're not, we're not or the rest of our lives, we're just giving in here, doing bad things there. And then we come on Sunday, we're like, everything's great, living a great life, yeah. That's not showing integrity. Um, Something we we talk about here at Creekside and it's one of the reasons we do the tables is so we can be real with each other. We can face each other and talk to each other and really grow in that community. Now, I believe that in the book of Daniel, God wants to speak with us on integrity. Now, if there was a dark period in history, man, this was it. Again, a nation just destroyed, taken captive by an ungodly pagan people. Their temple destroyed, priesthood held hostage, children kidnapped, stripped of their identity, forced to follow brand new rules without question. It is a very dark time. If there was a time for people to say, you know what, we're giving up on God because everything we've been raised with for all these years is totally destroyed, this is the time to do it. I can imagine that being in their minds. This is the time to say, it's time for that brand new start. We tried God, and now we're prisoners. We're going to try something else. Now, if you want to read with me Daniel uh, chapters, chapter 1 still, verses 7 through 21, we can hear and see what Daniel, Sha- Rakshak, and Benny did and how God honored them through it. Here we go. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. He asked the chief for official permission to not defile himself this way. Now, God had caused the official to show favor and sympathy to Daniel. But the official told Daniel, I am afraid of the Lord my king, who has assigned your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other, other young men your age? The king would then have my head because of you. So, Ashfinaz now, the, the official who's in charge of these guys, he's afraid to even go through this because if these guys break the rules, he's the one that gets punished as well. Now, Daniel then sent to the guard whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please test your servants for 10 days. Give us nothing but veggies to eat and water to drink. You hear that, kids? Eat your veggies. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food, and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to this and tested them for 10 days. Now, my wife and I did the Atkins diet a while ago, which was, you know, meat, 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 cheese, meat, not so much veggies. So to be told you're not going to eat any meat, man, this, for me, when I think of this diet, I go, oh man, this diet sucks. Veggies and water, wow. That just doesn't sound fun to me. Any, any of the kids in here, if you were told we're just eating veggies and water, you'd be good with it? Oh, just one in the back. Thanks for ruining my example. Now, at the end of the 10 days they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice food and wine and to drink choice food and wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. To these four young men God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning, and Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. At the end of the time set by the king to bring them in, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's service. In every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in the whole kingdom. And Daniel remained there until the first year of King Cyrus. Wow. Those guys took a big risk, didn't they? They decided they weren't going to follow what the king said. They, they, didn't, they didn't go defiantly about it. They said, hey, give us permission to do this. And they stayed true. They knew that if they showed that integrity, not just to themselves, but to God, who put them in, who they, they were in this situation, they knew God was still there. He had never left their side, even though the situation they were in was really bad. They knew if they honored him, God wouldn't let them down. Now, they could have used the excuse, we can't disobey the king, or we're going to die if we don't do this, or this is, this is just so we can survive another day. But they didn't. They showed their integrity and they didn't cave in. And how did God God honor these guys? In just the first 10 days, they were more physically fit and better than everybody else. And so they did that for three years. Three years of veggies and water. Wow. That's a lot of cabbage. But they entered service to the king stronger, more physically fit, with better knowledge than anyone. In fact, it says they were 10 times smarter in every way than all the other men in service. Coincidence? Probably not. I imagine this, and I know, this is God telling them, this is, you guys honored me, you guys upheld everything I taught you when you were young, everything you learned about me, even though in hard times, when, I mean, times don't get much harder than this, the way they were taken and stripped and then relabeled and everything, times don't get much harder. They chose not to give in. They chose to stay true and not let that little bit of corruption in their lives. Now, later on, if you read these guys' stories, you find out that they had more times to compromise things. If you read through Daniel, uh, you find that he was thrown into a lion's den for similar reasons. Like, hey, there's some rules, but it would compromise what you know is true. He didn't compromise, and he was thrown into the lion's den. Um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, same thing. Another situation where do we compromise the value? Do we let some of that in? Do we give in to what everyone else is doing? Or do we stand strong? They stood strong, and they were thrown into a fiery furnace for it. But if you—I know, the story just gets worse for these guys. Every time you read—every time you read about them, something bad is happening. But when you keep reading their story, you also find out that even in the midst of these hard times, God honors them, and God saved their lives in all these different situations. Now, every day we face the same choices— are we going to give in or are we not? It's easy when everyone is watching to make the right choice. Like, it may be easy for Rachel right now because everyone's watching. You've got to hold that up. I know, I know it's getting hard, but it's, it's for a reason. <laughs> it's easy when everyone's, everyone's watching to make the right choice, to not give in to temptation. It's really hard when you're by yourself. It's really hard when you think no one's going to notice, no one's going to see it. Um, many times, you know, uh, here here even at Creekside, I'll walk in a room and I'll say, hey kids, you can't do this on, on in this one area. And I'll... Leave the room for five minutes. Come back and it's like, what did I just say? I said, don't do it. Like, but you weren't here. I'm like, oh, well, that makes, that matters. You know, like, gosh. But it's it's the same thing. When people are when people aren't watching, it's easy to give in. <clears throat> but we have to ask ourselves: Is the compromise worth it? Is it really worth sacrificing what we know is true, when we know how God can bless us? Bless us when we stay true to His word. Now, for some some of us may be new to this faith thing, um, new to uh, new to church. Maybe it's your first Sunday uh, here. Welcome, I'm glad you're here. But some of you maybe have been here for a long time or you've been raised in the church and and you know a lot of this stuff. Whatever your background, it doesn't change the fact that we all will face temptation again. It could happen as soon as you walk out these doors, before you even get to the parking lot, something could happen. Um, Maybe you'll walk out and you'll say, You know what, Dustin, this is just too hard. I had to give in here. And it's like, I know it's hard, it's temptation. This is not just walking through the park. This is something that looks really, really good for you. Something that you think, oh, I really, really want it, but you can't give in. We need to understand that God is bigger than any temptation we'll ever face. Anytime we get in that situation where it would be easy to cave, anytime it would be easy to say, I'm thrown in the towel here, I got to do this, it's the best for me and my family, even though I know what's wrong, God's bigger than that issue. And he shows it all throughout Scripture in many stories of people who have trusted God and how he's carried them through the hard times. All right, Rachel, that, that sandwich is looking pretty pathetic. You did pretty good. Give her a hand. She did good. That's. (laughs) told you I'd have something better for you. So here's a big old Kit Kat for you. Thank you very much. Give her a hand again. Go ahead and have a seat, Rachel. Let's put that on the chair. I've actually done that with some of the younger kids before, and one kid, as soon as I gave him the ice cream, it's like, now you can eat this right now or you get something better later. He goes, okay, and just wolf the whole thing down. It's like, wow, all right. And then when he saw, I did the same thing. I had a big prize. He was so bummed, and and I didn't give it to him because I'm mean like that. He broke the rules. But all throughout Scripture, we we see people rise, we see people fall, all dealing with did they give in to their temptation? Did they give in to what was pressing at them, or did they stand strong with what God said? But again, we need to remember, God is bigger than any temptation we'll ever face. Amen? Amen. Uh, Father, I thank you so much for today and the time that we get to come and, and celebrate and worship and share our lives with each other as we learn from you. Um, I pray for all of us, God, that um, as, as we get tempted, as life goes on, God, every one of us faces it. Uh, Jesus faced it. I pray that you give us the strength to turn to your word. You give us the strength to turn to you and that we can get our strength from you to get through these hard things, God. I thank you for everybody in here. I pray that... Uh, I pray that you bless and you touch everyone's heart and that when they leave here today, uh, they're not the same because they've had an experience with you. We thank you, we love you, and we give you all the praise and all of God's children said, Amen. Amen. Have a great afternoon, everyone. You're loved.